This morning we are uh, tackling a, a question that seems like a pretty straightforward question, and it seems like it should have a very simple answer. And yet, the more you talk to people, the more you realize that it's not such a simple question and such a simple answer. Uh, And the question we're talking about today is, how are you saved? How are people saved? Again, to us, it seems like a pretty straightforward question with a pretty straightforward answer. But you start talking to people, and you start realizing people have a lot of different ideas on how you're saved. Some people think that uh, in order to get to heaven, you just have to be a good person. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, Why would good people not get to the good place? And so people dress themselves up in their good works, thinking that they're going to get into the banquet hall of heaven uh, because of the good works that they're wearing. I've been to a couple funerals, maybe you have, where... Uh, the preacher talked about how good the person was who passed away. But there's a problem with that thinking, isn't there? And the problem is this. How good is good enough? Do I just have to be 90% good? 90% and above. And that's good. Is it kind of like high school where C's get degrees and so as long as I have a C plus average, uh, I'm getting in? Is it more like a pass or fail? I just need to be 51% good? Is it just, I just have to be 1% good? And then I get in? How good is good enough? Other people uh, believe that it's by the, as long as you live up to your religious standards, then you'll get in. So whether you're a Jew, you're a Christian, you're a Muslim, uh, whatever uh, religious organization you follow, as long as you live up to those standards, You'll get in. But there's a problem with that one too, right? Because as you examine your life, as they examine their lives, we don't live up to the standards of our religion. And so when you press them on that, what they will say is, oh, we all, we all have a little uh, uh, you know, free, freebies, so to speak. But then you're not living up to the standards. And when you realize that, it leads to guilt and despair. And finally, some people say, as long as you follow the masses, they can't be wrong, right? Whatever the majority opinion is, that's got to be right. And so people dress themselves up in their political affiliation, trying to change the world, because that is what's going to get them into heaven. But the masses have been wrong many times, and they still continue to be wrong. Uh, If you want an example, look at Nazi Germany. They were wrong. That was the masses. So how do we get there? How are we saved? If it's not by my religious standards, if it's not by my political affiliation, if it's not by my good works, how do we get there? Last week we looked at Scripture alone and how Scripture is the only truth that we have in this life. And so let's look at Scripture this morning to hear God's truth and to hear what He says. And what He's going to tell us is that we are saved and it's a gift. And we're going to look at three aspects as to how this gift comes to us and what this gift is all about. And if you're following along in your worship folder, here's your first point. God's gift isn't earned. 
God's gift isn't earned. I guess you could say, well, yeah, that's the essence of a gift. A gift is given freely, it's not earned. But let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians living in Ephesus. It's a province uh, in Asia. And here's what Paul said. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This is one of those sections of Scripture where we kind of cringe a little bit and uh, we say, we, we think to ourselves, man, it would just be a lot better if this wasn't in God's Word. Uh, because this is a little brutal to read. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions. Ugh, not exactly a flattering thing to be said about us. And we don't like this section because we want there to be something that makes God love us. When God looks down from heaven, we want Him to see something attractive about us. We want Him to see something lovable in us that makes Him love us, that makes Him want to save us. And that makes sense because that's how our relationships here on earth work, isn't it? Uh, Why do we get so nervous to go on a first date? It's because when we go on that date, we want to give them reasons to like us. And if they give us enough reasons to like them, we'll go on another date and another date. And eventually we'll fall in love and then we'll get married. We give people reasons to love us. And so in our minds, we think, I need to give God a reason to love me. But notice what Paul says. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, was working on us. Who is that? Satan. The devil. The ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So by nature, we are spiritually dead. We're spiritual corpse. And Satan is working on us. Not exactly a very attractive picture, is it? Death is unattractive. That's why when we go to a funeral, what do we do? We dress up the body, right? We put the body in a dress or a suit. We put makeup on on the person. We we do the hair. uh, Because death is unattractive. But if you really want to see how unattractive death is, just drive down 183 one day uh, and stop by some roadkill. As you pull up next to it, you're going to see something that is hideous. It is uh, what used to be a living, breathing animal who moved, who had instincts, who had a will, is now laying still. Cold, lifeless, breathless, cannot do anything. The laws of nature are uh, attacking it and it is decaying. It's not a pretty picture. It smells. It's not attractive at all. 
Paul says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, the human race fell into sin. And now, generation after generation passes along this disease of sin, which we are covered with. The sores of sin cover us and we are dead. We can't change our status. We can't do anything about it. And it's not an attractive picture. And there's a part of us, deep down, that realizes this. We realize that we need some, some reason for God to love us, we think. Because we realize that we're dead and unattractive, spiritually speaking. We're spiritual corpse. And so what do we do? We try to dress ourselves up, right? We try to dress up our spiritual corpse to make us look pretty. And we do that by doing good, right? We, we dress ourselves up in our good works to try to present ourselves to God and say, look at God, I'm giving you a reason to love me. And then what happens is we become judgmental. And we become arrogant and, and, and we start to say, I can't believe so-and-so is doing that. Uh, at least I'm not that bad. I can't believe they're not doing that for their family. Don't they love them? And we get more concerned about what people are doing and what they're not doing than recognizing our own state, which is by nature spiritually dead. And the sad part is, this mindset even creeps into church life as we point spiritual fingers and we say, uh, we are better off because we're part of a certain denomination uh, than someone else. But all we're doing when we do that is saying, my spiritual corpse looks better and smells better than your spiritual corpse. That's all we're doing. To God... We are still a spiritual corpse just dressed up in a little better, I guess I'll say, outfit. But we're still a spiritual corpse. Kind of a brutal way to start a sermon, isn't it? And yet this is how Paul starts this section. And the reason I've gone through such great lengths is because unless if we actually take a look at who we are by nature, we are not going to appreciate God's gift, which cannot be earned. And so now let's go to the second part. Your second point today. God's gracious gift of life comes through His death. God's gracious gift of life comes through His death. Let's continue in Ephesians chapter 2. Here's what Paul says. But, let's stop right there. Uh, When you're reading your Bible, when you're reading at home, uh, whether on your phone or actually reading it, and you see the word but, this is the start of good news almost every single time. Almost every single time, but, B-U-T, is the best word in the Bible because that means there's going to be good news coming. And here's what Paul says. But, because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. 
Transgressions are those times where we know, here's a line God says. And we say, God, I see your line, but guess what? I don't care. Uh, That's what transgressions means. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that, in the coming ages, He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is the amazing part, isn't it? Spiritually, we were dead. Spiritually, we were unattractive. Nothing could make us more attractive to God. And yet, He loved us. And God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace you have been saved. God's undeserved love that He saved us. Why? So that in the coming ages, He might show the incomparable riches of His Grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God's love for us is incomparable. It's incomparable. I'm sure by now, uh, all of you heard about the Vegas shootings from earlier in the week. Uh, Just a horrible tragedy. Uh, If you didn't hear about it, uh, a shooter uh, was on the 32nd floor of a hotel and he shot down onto a country concert, killing 50-some people and uh, injured over 500 people. But there was a, a, a husband and wife there, and his name was Sonny Melton from Tennessee. And as the shooting started, uh, he covered his wife, and he was shot and killed. But she lived. Uh, he died. She lived. He, he took the bullet for her. Now that's some of the greatest love that we will see here on earth. Laying down your life for a loved one. Literally dying for a loved one. And that's what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus did for you and me. He said, you are dead. You are in the line of hell. And you can't do anything about it. You are dead. You can't move. But I'm going to take your place. And He died that we might live. And God's grace is incomparable. His love is incomparable. And that's not to take anything away from Sonny. That's not to take away from any of your love. It's just showing you how much greater God's love is compared to ours. God had no reason to love us. Because there we were, dead, filled with the sores of sin. And God said, I love you anyways. And I'm going to save you. And He sent Jesus who took those sins from us and He went to the cross to die for each and every one of them. He died that we might live. It is by grace that you have been saved. That we have been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. It is all God. And yet God's grace is even more. God's grace is so comprehensive, He isn't just content with dying for our sins, but He goes even further. In Isaiah 61, here's what God says there. Or Isaiah says there. I delight greatly in the Lord. 
My soul rejoices in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of His righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Jesus died for our sins. And then God said, I see the scars left on your body from the sores of your sins. I see the scar of greed, of anger, drunkenness, addict. And you're trying to cover it with the rags of your works? Here, let me beautify you. And He gives you the garment of salvation. He gives you heavenly clothes. And He puts on you a robe of righteousness. A robe of perfection. And so when God sees you, He doesn't see a sinner or a past sinner. He sees a perfect person. Holy, loved, forgiven. Completely forgiven. It is by grace that you have been saved. And here's how Paul ends it. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's a what? A gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation from beginning to end is completely by God. And here's why this is important for your life. Because you never have to wonder if you've done enough. Because Christ did it all for you. You never have to doubt. And if you are ever doubting whether or not you believe or whether or not you are saved, all you have to do is ask, do I believe that Jesus is my savior? And if that answer is yes, you have faith in God, faith in Jesus, and you receive this gift from God. It is by grace that you have been saved. Let's go to the third aspect of this gift. God's gracious gift comes before our works. God's gracious gift comes before our works. Here's how Paul ends this section, right here with verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul finally brings up good works, right? How does our lives fit in with all of this? And where does he put it? At the very end. After he has established that our salvation is completely by God, Paul says, now here comes the good works. You can kind of think of it like this. Uh, It's hard to believe, but Christmas is just about two months away. Uh, Would you go home this morning and write your thank you cards for the gifts you're going to receive at Christmas? That'd be a little ridiculous, right? We haven't received them yet. First of all, we don't know what we're going to receive. Second of all, we don't know who we're going to receive the gift from. How can we write a thank you note? That's how it works with God. God's gift came to us, which is salvation. And now He says, write me a thank you note through your works. And that's what we do. 
As we live our lives for God, it's our thank you note to Him for the gift that He gave us, the gift of grace, the gift of salvation. And what's even better is He prepares them in advance for us to do. So we don't have to wonder. We don't have to come up with ways to thank God. He brings them into our lives to do. And we get to say thank you for the gift of His grace. And so when you serve here at church, when you serve uh, your spouse's needs, when you help your neighbor, you drive your grandkids around, as uh, you take care of your kids, these are ways, these are good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do to say, thank you God for your grace. It is by grace you have been saved. On that dark night in Vegas, there was a a woman who was shot in the stomach. And she was laying on the ground and a bartender uh, across the way saw her lying there. Uh, And he he didn't know her. He had no reason to run over and yet he ran over to her and he placed his hand on her wound and pressed down so that the bleeding stopped a little bit. And she knew that if this man left, she was going to die. And so she, she said, please don't leave me. And he said, I'm not going to leave you. And he stayed there as the shooting was going on until the first responders got to her, brought her to the hospital where she is now recovering. She was interviewed as, and she said in the interview that she cannot be more thankful for this man. In fact, she now considers him another one of her sons. God had no reason to save us. He had no reason to come down and save us. And yet on one dark Friday afternoon, God came down to save us. And at the cross of Christ, you and I gained a Father in Heaven. You and I gave a, gained a Savior who has given us the robes of righteousness, robes of perfection, and has clothed us with salvation. It is by God's grace that we have been saved. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this section of Your Word. We thank You that You tell us who we are. Uh, by nature, uh, because then and only then can we appreciate the gift that you so graciously have given to us. We ask you to help us to appreciate that gift every single day of our life. And let us rely on that gift uh, to get us to heaven. Amen.